0: Readings on page 1162 of the Church Bibles, um, 2 Corinthians, chapter 8. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their own ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we had kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of living. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has Thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same concern I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative, and we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more, he was chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering, which we administer in order to honour the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending with them our brother who has often proved to us in many ways that he is zealous, and now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. As for our brothers, They are representatives of the churches and an honour to Christ. Therefore, show these men the proof of your love and the reason for our pride in you, so that the churches can see it.
1: Thank you so much for reading that, and it's fantastic to be with you here today. My name's Jeremy, I'm on the staff team here at Trinity, and I've already met some new people here for the first time today, so special welcome to you, and it's great to have you join us as we come back to the book of 2 Corinthians, the book that we're looking at intermittently over the course of the year. Well, do keep that uh, part of the Bible open. It's page 1163 if you've let it close because uh, what I want is for the Bible to stay in your minds, not my words. So if, uh, as I'm speaking, you can keep on reading and rereading that part of 2 Corinthians, then uh, I'll pray that that part of the Bible sticks in each of our heads. Let's pray as we begin. Let's pray to that end. Father God, we've already prayed Uh, in our last song, that you would speak to us as we come to you. And so uh, we'd like to keep praying that prayer persistently. Please can we hear your voice, Father God, Uh, and uh, please can we pay attention to your word, and please can the encounter that we have with you today be be life-changing in a permanent way. We ask, Father, that you change us for good, if that's your will. And uh, so I pray, Father, that Uh, that we would hear what you have to say to us. Thank you that you have a concern for our church. Thank you that you care for us as individuals. And so I pray that we'd willingly submit to your purposes. Please, Father, can that be the sort of humility in our hearts? And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, well, I don't know whether you've seen uh, one of these guys outside Angel Tube uh, or sort of as you walk up Upper Street, whether you've been uh, stopped by one of those. Um, they call themselves street fundraisers. And uh, some people, maybe slightly unfairly, call them chuggers. Have you come across that? Uh, charity muggers. Anyone ever worked as a chugger? No, no, I, I haven't either. But lots of people do. And. Um, I read the other day, um, sort of Confessions of a Chugger. There's a guy called uh, Andrew Napier, and he wrote the the Confessions of a Street Fundraiser, uh, and um, it was on on the internet. And he gave away some of his secrets for sort of raising maximum amounts of money uh, for the charity that he worked for. Uh, Three tips. Tips number one, he said uh, humor can make a difference so he used to have a sort of joke of the day and he say, hey guys do you want to hear my joke and then he said if um, if they listen to the joke then they're probably going to listen to what you're going to say about the charity so number one joke of the day um he says good looks can definitely help okay um so um you need to have the right sort of face to do this work apparently um and then thirdly uh he said you can sometimes get, a, get away with a little bit of flirting, although that really is a matter of definition. Okay, so it's sort of friendliness, sort of flirting. Um, those are his three top tips. That's the way to raise money if you're a street fundraiser. And I say that because, um, because in 2 Corinthians chapter, chapters 8 and 9, Paul is effectively fundraising. Okay, that's, that's what he's doing. He's writing to the Corinthian church, you remember. And uh, if you were here last week, you'll know that Paul came back, uh, that Titus, sorry, came back from the city of Corinth to to meet Paul, and it was good news. Uh, The church in Corinth has responded to his rebuke. It's difficult to do that, isn't it, without getting all defensive uh, to respond to a rebuke like that? Uh, But they responded really positively, uh, and they've uh, they've expressed warmth towards him, and, and we found out that Paul said last week that gave him super abundant joy. It's about the strongest word that you can sort of put together in Paul's language. He has super abundant joy. Uh, But the thing about the Corinthians uh, is that they're not the finished article. And so Paul goes on in, in the rest of two Corinthians to talk about one or two things they might want to think about. And the first one of these is fundraising. And he writes two whole chapters about that. Chapters eight and nine. We're going to look at them this week and next week. It's about the financial side of church. Uh, And that's why we're gonna talk a little bit about giving today, the sort of giving that we do here in Trinity. And uh, and we're gonna think about uh, how we we might become part of that. Uh, It's a great thing, isn't it, about working through the Bible, just chapter by chapter, um, different things come up, um, brings up issues that we might otherwise avoid. That's a good thing, isn't it? Um, We've come to this part of 2 Corinthians, and we're gonna think about giving. But notice Paul's tactics as he talks about money. Do you know how he does it in, in chapter 8, as case he was reading it out to us? Um, I mean, he doesn't rely on humour. He doesn't tell his joke of the day. That's not really the Apostle Paul's style. Um, uh, as I teach this passage, I'm not going to rely on my good looks. Obviously I could, but I'm going to just put that to one side for a second, and there definitely won't be any flirting. That would kill the church giving scheme dead at that particular moment. So I'm, I'm not going to do... Any of that, but what Paul teaches, and I ask you to emphasise this as, as we went through two Corinthians chapter eight, is God's grace, His kindness, His His favour, His gift to us that we don't deserve. It's all about God's grace. That is Paul's one and only tactic as he starts fundraising in the Corinthian church. God's grace. Undeserved kindness. And it's useful, isn't it? Because it undercuts all of those um, reactions that we might have uh, when we hear that we're going to talk about giving at church or, or when we're sort of attacked by a chugger on Upper Street. And all those um, sort of reactions that might spring to mind straight away. Um, guilt, you know, we might feel bad about the amount that we give or that we haven't got around to giving or... Um, You might feel bad about that. Um, Indifference, just wanting to blank the whole thing, just walk past, pretend you haven't seen them. Uh, Or defensiveness, feeling that people are trying to get at us. Why is everyone asking my money the whole time? Um, Grace sort of undercuts all of those reactions. And uh, and 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is going to show us why. So two points, just two points from the chapter then. And the first one's this. Grace gives generously. That's what grace does to you. It enables you to give generously. Grace gives generously, and the idea of grace just comes all the way through um, chapters eight and nine. The two chapters are marinated in grace, if if you like that. Um, You can see it down in chapter one. Have a look at page one one six three, chapter eight verse one. Sorry, verse one of chapter eight. This is how Paul starts and. Uh, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Uh, or um, or verse 6, so we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of, of grace on your part. It's a free, undeserved gift. Um, have a look down the last line of verse 7, just before they're for the paragraph break see that verse 7 so that you also excel in this grace of giving Uh, in chapters 8 and 9 the word for grace comes effectively 10 times 10 times in two chapters it talks about the kindness of 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 god to us or 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 the way that we're to just give freely and so just like um do you know in a coke machine Uh, You you put in your money and then the coke just sort of rumbles down. You hear this sort of rumbling sound and some can of coke just sort of goes through all the mechanisms inside a coke machine. And then eventually it sort of comes out of the bottom. And so Paul wants this sort of grace to just rumble down through these Christians until it emerges as generosity somewhere in their lives. That's what we're going to say. And Paul says, first of all, that it's happened elsewhere. As he's writing to these Corinthians, he says um, uh, it's it's happened in other churches already. And he describes the generosity shown by others. That's how he starts off in in chapter 8. So have a look down at that uh, again in in verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth about AD fifty-six, first century, We want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. So there's some churches further up in Greece, uh, probably Thessalonica, Philippi, Philippi, Berea, those kind of places. Um, Verse two, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their literally the depths of their poverty, their rock bottom poverty, welled up in rich generosity. That's what they're to see in these other churches. Now, it's Interesting, isn't it, that the um, that the outworking of God's grace doesn't doesn't take away their pain? Did you notice that? Um, sometimes people can feel very betrayed by God, and they say, "Well, God, God, didn't, um, God didn't take away my pain." That's hard. It's very very hard. God nowhere promises that He will take away all pain. At least not this side. Of the new creation. God's grace doesn't alleviate their poverty, but it does cause them to open their hearts and open their bank accounts. In fact, do you notice this in verse 4. Have a look down at verse 4. This is quite strange. Um, they urgently pleaded with us. You know, when, when people are, are short of money, uh, I've been very short of money in my lifetime. Uh, I once had to survive. Uh, 48 hours on well, nothing but milk and muesli six meals in a row because I completely run out of money um, but I knew that there was more money on the way some people don't have that reassurance I know when when people are very short of money then they plead to be given money don't they that's generally what happens um, here in verse four they're short of money and they're urgently pleading to give money away that's just strange isn't it it's not normally the way that it works complete reversal of what you'd expect they they come to church they turn up to church and say please please you've got to help me i'm desperate i've just got to give you some money um that's sort of their approach uh it's like it's like a guy who turned up after church just a couple of years ago uh, before the pandemic uh and uh, he sent me uh sent someone across to me and said i've I've got to speak to the vicar and uh, i looked back and and he looked a bit down on his luck and from time to time, people um, sort of turn up after the service, that's fine, say so they're really short of money, and we often take them down the road and tell them the gospel on the way and, and buy them a bit of feed. And uh, that was completely what I was expecting. And I was already in a conversation, so I gave it a few minutes. Um, uh, and then eventually, I sort of made my way around to him. And I said, oh, can I help you? And he pulled out of his bag this beautiful um, sort of Leather-bound, sort of gold-edged Bible in English and Romanian, and he said, um, "He said I don't know anyone in Romania to give this to, but I thought you might. I just really wanted to give it to you, and that was what he came for. He was really keen to give. That's why he was there. And and so with these churches, you know, they're, they're pleading to give." And, and for them, do you notice is primarily vertical. We spoke about this a little bit last week. Um, in, in confession, you remember um, uh, when you're abused, against you only have I sinned. D- David says, so with generosity, it's really primarily vertical. You see, verse 5? And they exceeded our expectations. These are these churches uh, in Macedonia. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. So they did, they gave themselves to the Lord. They got that right. And I want you to know about this, says Paul. Um, I want you to see this model of generosity. Uh, watch and learn. And to see someone else being um, generous is, is very transformative, isn't it? Particularly if they haven't got very much money. Um, I read a story this week uh, on a website. I, I can't guarantee that it's true, but it makes, it makes the point. Uh, there was a a, quite a prosperous Christian who decided to go on a world tour and um, they found themselves in a a rice paddy in Korea and um, they were looking across this uh, this rice paddy and they saw a boy who was pulling a plow, a sort of rough wooden plow and uh, probably his granddad, an old old guy, was sort of steering it and, and then the boy himself was pulling this plow along uh, he, was, he was making quite an effort and the tourist took a photo because he thought it looked quite quaint, quite a sort of rural scene and he said to the guide, you know, is, is this the way it normally happens um, in Korea? And the guide said um, when, the, when the church building was built recently um, in the village that family were eager to give something but they had no money so they sold their ox and they gave their money to the church and so this spring, they're pulling the plow themselves. Um, And the tourist um, took his photo back to his home church and he said, I've got to learn a lot about generosity. I'd like to give more than I already am. And, and, And in the same way, Paul's sort of holding up this photo of the Macedonian churches and he's saying, you know, watch and learn. This is This is sacrificial giving. Grace gives generously. Um, It's been shown by these churches in Macedonia and it's been shown by them. Can you see that in verse seven? Um, Verse seven, uh, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we've kindled in, you see that you also excel in this grace of giving. So, it's to be shown by them as well. They were known for their faith and their speech and their knowledge. You remember, this is a church that really um, uh, sort of made a lot of people's gifts. Uh, it was a church where uh, if you had a gift, you, you were very, very keen to, to let other people know that you had it. But they're to excel in this gift as well, had a gift of giving. they treated as a normal part of Christian discipleship. In the way that here at Trinity, I don't know what we're known for. Uh, maybe we're known for our um, known for our friendliness, the warm welcome uh, we like to give people. Maybe our Bible teaching. Maybe maybe our home baking. We we want to be we want to be known for this as well. It's an all part of Christian discipleship. Um, giving of our money. Um, it's the kind of thing like um, reading the Bible or, or praying or coming along to church. You know, we'd worry if people stopped doing that. Uh, And in a sense, Paul's saying, you know, he's going to worry if if they're not giving because it's so much a part of the normal Christian life. Grace gives generously. And how do we know that? Because Jesus Christ gave to the maximum, to the maximum. Jesus could not have given any more than he did. So he he gave up... um, the riches of heaven, all that all that glory and worship that he that he rightly deserved in heaven, and he gave that up for the uh, discomfort of the manger and the agony of the cross. Um, he he became poor, as Paul puts it, and he does that to make us rich in relationship with God and uh, and destined for a future where we're where we're richly provided for. That is our destiny, Christians. Um, we have that rich promise. We're richly provided for. I, I, if I can put it like this, um, the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is a, is a get rich quick scheme. Uh, and that, that's, that's true in a sense, isn't it? I mean, not, not in physical terms, in spiritual terms, but you get rich very quickly, don't you? Just the, the minute that you turn to Jesus, you have all this richness of blessing that's sort of poured out on you in a way that you don't deserve. That's uh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I mean, so, so when you think of this, I've been thinking about this quite a lot um, this last couple of weeks, and I've become really convinced of this. Um, there's so much of the Christian life is about the way we see ourselves. It's about our identity. It's about our sort of self-image. Um, and all of us have this sort of self-image. Um, so I'm the kind of person who and I complete that sentence I'm the kind of person who I don't know you, how you think of yourself um, the Bible wants to work at that level so often I think about the way we um, understand ourselves who we are and, um, and and how we understand our own sort of status and 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 if, if we let the Bible do this, then it sort of feeds what we know to be true of ourselves. Even though we might not see or fully experience it now, um, we understand who we are. We have that identity and we own it. So um, we, we might say, you know, I'm the kind of person, and this is true, I think, I'm the kind of person who has fully succeeded in Jesus. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? United with Jesus, his success becomes our success. And so um, I don't need to base my identity on my exam results, or, or I can sit loose to that promotion. Um, I need to make a, make a name for my Jesus' success is mine now, and I'm, I'm the kind of person who has fully succeeded in Christ. That could really liberate you, couldn't that? Don't you think? Or... Um, I'm the kind of person who is so deeply cherished by God that I don't need to base all of my value on being in a relationship now it's a hard thing to say isn't it but um, but it's going to help I'm so cherished by God that I don't need to base all of my identity I don't need to sort of tether that to whether I'm in a relationship or not or um. And, and this is where we come back to 2 Corinthians 8. Um, you look at yourself in the mirror and think, I'm the kind of person who is rich. I'm loaded in, in Jesus spiritually. I'm rich. I've been made spiritually wealthy. And so I don't need to hang on to my money, you see. Um, it's not quite so important to me. I can give away risky amounts without it affecting the way that I feel. I don't feel less safe because I know how rich I am. And so we don't find ourselves giving to God so that God will give something to us. You know, that's, that's, that's not how it needs to work. God has already been good to us. He's already given us to the maximum. You see, we, we, we don't give to sort of assuage our guilt, to deal with our guilt, because our guilt's already completely taken away at the cross. And, and we, we don't even give primarily because of the needs. Now, I'm going to say a little bit later on about, you know, what our financial needs are at Head Trinity, and um, and it is important to know that, but that's not the driver for our giving, you see. It's not primarily because of our need. God has met our deepest needs in Jesus. But we might want to look at the generosity of others. Uh, certainly when I was in Uganda, I learnt a huge amount from the way that Christians who seem to have nothing except the clothes they stood up in just loved to give all the Ugandan shillings that they possibly could. And and, and we might want to see giving as just part of what we do as as Christians, as part of our discipleship. And and we must see the generosity of Jesus. If, if, If you haven't yet appreciated that, that is the place to start. If you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, then look at what Jesus gave you because he wants to make you rich quick, spiritually, and let it feed your identity. It's a wonderful place to be. Grace gives generously. That's our that's our first point, but there's a second point which Paul makes towards the end of chapter eight, and we're just going to deal with this quite briefly. Here's our second point, and, and it's just over the page, on page one one six four, second half of the passage, and this is what we're calling it. Now, money management matters. It's a strange point. Uh, it sounds like a sort of seminar from the city, but this is what Paul's saying. Um, in the second half of 2 Corinthians, I think. Let, let me show you that. Starting in verse 16. Have a look at that. And Paul introduces a bit of a change of tack. You remember Titus has come back to him from the Corinthian church and brought him good news. And he starts by talking about Titus. Thanks be to God, who put into the heart of <coughs> sorry, into the heart of Titus the same concern I have that I have for you. Uh, so he's, he's full of concern for the corinthian church for titus not only welcomed our appeal but he's coming to you with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative so he taps paul on the shoulder and he says um paul can i just go down and see how the corinthians are doing they're 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 collecting some money i think um can i just go down and encourage them to do that verse 18 and we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel what What's going on? Well, Paul's um, sending this delegation, it seems like, uh, of at least three people. Um, Titus is going down, verse 17, all the way down to Corinth. Uh, and then um, verse 18, there's a, another brother, another Christian who's coming. And then in, in verse 22, there's another brother as well. We don't know who they were. Um, Paul's probably somewhere up in Philippi. And and he's sending his financial team on a 500-mile sort of uh, um, trip to the Corinthian church. In fact, we know that uh, from another part of the Bible, from Romans, we know they're going to pick up some money uh, from several churches and they're going to take it off to Jerusalem. There's a huge need uh, for cash because of a famine. What do you notice about the people that Paul sends? How do you recognize them? This is what Paul implies they're trusted. He trusts them. Uh, I once had a friend called Richard Truscott, and he, um, he went by the nickname of trusty Truscott. A trusted guy. You know, you'd, um, you'd put your life in his hands. And Paul trusts these guys. Um... Trust Titus, 16 and 17. And then he says the second brother, verse 18, is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What an amazing thing. Can you imagine having that on on your gravestone? Uh, Dawn and Amy went to a funeral this week uh, of a lady called Anne Beecham uh, in Cambridge. Uh, The church there, St. Andrew the Great, was packed full of people who she'd helped as a Christian throughout her life. Um, including uh, Dawn and me and and our family. Um, She was a bit like a granny to us. And it would be appropriate to say these words of her, I think, she was praised by all the churches for her service to the gospel. Amazing. So trusted, praised. And the third brother is um, verse 22, proven. Imagine sending, they're their nicknames, trusted, praised, and proven. Those are the three guys you're going to send. And notice the staggering commendation in verse 23. Um, Have a look down at that. They're representatives of the churches, okay, and an honor to Christ. Amazing things to say about them. They're an honor to Christ. Literally, they're a glory to Christ. They're glory givers um, to Jesus. That's what they're known for. The point Paul's making is this. It matters who does your finances. (laughs) Can you see? It matters. Because um, why? Well, verse 20, Paul's already been under attack, and um, he just wants to be really careful. He wants to leave no space for criticism. Uh, End of verse 20. We want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift. Verse 21, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. Paul knows that accountability matters. Uh, Financial responsibility is important to the Apostle Paul. Um, He wants to make sure he sums that up. So he's nothing like the sort of televangelists in Corinth uh, who are known for their misappropriation of funds, who play sort of fast and loose with their pounds, shillings, and pence. He doesn't want to be like that. And if you want to understand that any further, all you have to do is uh, Google the words, as I did uh, this week, church fraud. It's terrifying. Um, What what comes up? Discredit that's been done to the gospel by financial irregularities in church circles. Such an open door for the devil, yeah? And so we want to be careful. We want to be responsible with our money. That's the counterpart, isn't it? if we give our money to the church we need to know that it's going to be looked after and, and, and responsibly handled we've got someone called Rachel Bourne who is our financial administrator it sort of helps I think that she's um, outside of the church she can get a sort of uh, a, a, a global view of, of what's going on here at Trinity and um, she's trusted she's a painstaking accountant and then we have sort of external auditors and we have double signatures and and all these sort of checks and balances on our money. And that's important. We want to be careful not to discredit the gospel. Yeah? Important. So grace gives gener- generously, and money management matters. That's the point of 2 Corinthians 8. But in the meantime, just as we finish, you'll notice that I just skipped over a few verses in the middle. Uh, And um, let me just make three quick practical points from those verses as I finish, just about the sort of practicalities of of giving as we give thanks for the the grace that's been shown to us. So three sort of guidelines for us at Trinity as you might think about joining the planned giving scheme. More about that in a minute. First of all, it's going to be about actions, not intentions. So can you see down in verse 10, Paul says, last year... You were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Verse 11, now finish the work. Um, the Corinthians have been very sort of keen a year before, but they hadn't, they hadn't quite got around to filling out the standing order form. Um, there are a few of us who can probably identify with that. Um, me amongst them. Uh, when, when I was at a, a, a big church where I used to go when I was a student called St. Helena's, just down the road. Um, I did, I really did mean to join the giving scheme, but um, they seem to be, they seem to be fine. Um, um, uh, and there were lots of people there who were giving. Um, I think I, I got a form a few times, it took me nine years, nine years before I joined the giving scheme there. That's, Paul says, finish the work. Um, um, you know, we can all share in, in that grace of giving. Um, it might be worth putting a date in the diary. We're gonna talk about making a pledge, Um, for uh, the next financial year, that Trinity runs from August to August. It'll be really, really helpful as uh, we make our plans for the year ahead. If you can make a pledge, just send an email Um, uh, sometime between now and Easter. And um, I need to put a date in my diary to do that. Because it doesn't feel terribly urgent, does it, in a way? Um, I'm gonna put a date in my diary Uh, Just a couple of hours where I'm going to sit down, look at my finances, and I'm going to decide how much I can give, uh, the maximum amount that I can contribute to church. It's going to be about actions, not intentions. And it's going to be about the willingness, not the amount. Um, You see that in verse 12? Verse 12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. That's interesting, isn't it? The willingness um, what God's looking for is our motives, not the final amount. Um, that's, um, that's a reason for us all to be giving, I guess, uh, if, if we're Christian people. If, if you're not yet a Christian, um, we don't want your money. Uh, that's great. But if you are a Christian person, um, then what God's looking for is the willingness uh, to participate. So it's something we can all do, isn't it? Um, uh, we can all take take part in that, whatever the amount. We can share in the grace of giving. It's saying we can all get involved in together. That's said sort of every member activity. And because of that, it's between us and God, and not between us and anyone else. You know, um, we we can easily feel. You know, on the one hand, um, I'm giving so little. Uh, maybe it's five pounds a month or something if you're a student. Um, you think, I'm giving so little. Why well, it's not really going to make a, a huge amount of difference. So I don't know why, uh, why I need to bother. On the other hand, you might think, um, why am I giving so much to the church? I seem to be carrying this church. Um, isn't it time for other people to get more involved? And um, just the way we're made, we just constantly compare ourselves with other people. It's between us and God. Keep, keep your blinkers on. Um... Don't, don't look sideways. Give, give what you can. Don't compare yourself with other people. Um, I mean, it's possible, uh, if you look at the end of verse 13, that um, if, if you're earning um, a bit more, then um, you can give a higher percentage of, of what you earn. That's possible, isn't it? Because the aim is equality. In other words, uh, some of us will be earning... Uh, quite a lot, perhaps we give even more so that we'll end up with a roughly equal sort of quality of life to people who are earning a little bit less. I think that's Paul's point, isn't it, in verse 13? So the goal might be equality. Keep the blinkers on. Give thanks to God. No comparisons. So about actions, not intentions, about willingness, not amount. It's between us and God. Not us and anybody else. Because in the end, it's not like we've been flagged down by a chugger, is it? I mean, um, that's not the way the Paul works. Uh, no one's using humor to manipulate us. No one's using their good looks to dazzle us. And uh, no one's flirting with us to confuse us. We're, we're just presented with God's grace. Incredible grace that comes to us through Jesus, that spiritual wealth. Uh, that is God's response to like a mustard seed-sized grain of faith totally out of proportion isn't it, the riches that God gives us for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ says Paul, though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich and so we say to God convince me of how rich I really am show me that until your grace sort of frees me to give financially as generously as I can, in the light of the generosity that I've been shown. Well, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand over to Felicity, and she's going to pray, and then uh, we're going to just—I'm um, going to stand up again just for two or three minutes and talk about some of the nuts and bolts of giving here at Trinity. But first, let's pray. Father God, thank you that if we're Christians, we're rich people in the Lord Jesus Christ and that Jesus became very poor in order to give us the riches that we possess. And so I pray, Father, we wouldn't feel burdened um, or guilty. We wouldn't feel defensive. Uh, We wouldn't feel that we want to um, sort of blank the issue. I pray, Father, instead we'd be so moved uh, by the generosity that you've shown us, uh, that we become generous people, uh, whether that's um, with our time and our energy or, or with our finances, uh, whether that's giving in this church or, or, or giving far afield, like the Corinthians were being encouraged to. I pray, Father, that the grace that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ would sort of loosen our purse strings and that we know what it is to take part generously in in this grace of giving this opportunity that you've given us to be financially generous with the resources you've given us i just ask father you bring about that change in us and i ask in jesus name amen